Welcome to our Valor Podcast. Men, I'm glad you joined with us. This is Pastor Mike coming to you from Harvest Orange County, and uh, so glad you joined with us today. And I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We had a great Thanksgiving service here at Harvest, and uh, I hope you had a great time at home with your families, and I sure did. And we ate too much like we do every year, but the Lord is blessed, and so we were very thankful to God for his blessings in our life. But now we're in the Christmas season. And so I want to say Merry Christmas to you. And, you know, I was thinking about Christmas and how, you know, you go shopping and when you say uh, Merry Christmas to someone, you know, they, they usually will say Happy Holidays. They don't really say Merry Christmas. And I don't know if it's because they've been trained to just say Happy Holidays or what, but uh, it's like they're removed from saying Merry Christmas. But I always say Merry Christmas anyways. But, you know, my wife and I had gone to this store called, uh, the. it's in uh, Riverside, called the Mission Galleria. And it's a big four-story building. It's filled to capacity with all sorts of fun stuff and antiques and furniture and household items and knickknacks and art and vintage toys and all kinds of, just all kinds of great collectibles and even record albums and things like that. But they also have a lot of Christmas-related stuff. And Diane had gone to upgrade our nativity scene because one of the shepherd's heads had broke off. That's what happens when you have grandkids. But uh, as they, as she, we were looking around at all the different nativity scenes, she noticed that they were all missing the baby Jesus. And she was, she's, you know, she's thinking, what's going on here? Where, where's Jesus? So she went to the counter person and asked, you know, why is Jesus missing from all the nativity scenes? And the lady at the counter said, oh, we have to hide them because people steal them. And I was like, what? Jesus is missing from so many people's Christmas. Some try to overtly banish Jesus from Christmas. They want a secular Christmas. And I think if you walk into Target, that's what you see. I love Target, but you don't see any nativity scenes in Christmas. But you do see dinosaur Christmas ornaments. So that's interesting. But most of us love the trappings of Christmas. We love the lights. We love the Christmas trees. um, We love the music and uh, the classic, even the classics like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman. And, you know, it seems like everyone has a Christmas album, whether it's Michael Buble or Justin Bieber, Under the Mistletoe. Johnny Cash has one called a classic Christmas album. I like that. You know, I looked and uh, ASCAP. Uh, which is American Society of Composers and Authors, you know, Publishers, they actually had a list of the most popular Christmas songs. So do you guys want to know the top five? Okay, I'll give them from five backwards. Number five is White Christmas by Bing Crosby. I thought he would be higher up there. Number four, Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bruce Springsteen. Can you believe it? Winter Wonderland by The Eurythmics crazy. Have you have yourself a Merry Christmas performed by the Pretenders and number one, the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. You know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. You know, we love all we love those songs. You know, and then there's the movies. You know, we we always see the movies come on TV. It's a Wonderful Life or Charlie Brown or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Elf, The Grinch, and one of my favorites, a Christmas vacation. Of course, I can relate to him because, you know, especially with the Christmas lights, because I seem to have trouble with the Christmas lights every year. But they're all fun. And all that stuff is very fun. And they evoke, you know, sentimental feelings. And we remember Christmas past and we look forward to what's going to happen. But so much of Christmas is based on emotion 
and it often stirs, you know, happiness and excitement, but it also can stir up some sadness because so often things aren't what they were or what they could be. And uh, some people have a hard time with the holidays. And I think what we need to do is harness this Christmas season to remember and celebrate the greatest gift, the greatest hope, and the greatest promise that God has given to us. Christmas is about a magnificent gift. Christmas is about a marvelous earthly arrival, but it is also about a mysterious heavenly departure. Jesus literally stepped down out of heaven and came to earth. Jesus became the most vulnerable of all creation, a baby. He needed to be fed. He needed to be kept warm and nurtured and protected. You know, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said this. He said that Jesus was infinite and yet an infant, eternal yet born of a woman, almighty yet hanging on a woman's breast, supporting the universe yet needing to be carried in his mother's arms, king of angels and yet the reputed son of Joseph, heir of all things and yet the carpenter's despised son. He that made man was made man. You know, I want to read a passage out of Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. And it says, When the time was just right, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that, they, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I like us to take away six points from this passage of scripture. You know, it says when the time was just right. I think we have to remember that God's timing is always perfect. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, the idea behind the phrase, the fullness of time is when the time was just right. Jesus came at just the right time in God's plan. When the world was perfectly prepared for God's work and for Jesus to come. You know, the Jewish people were looking and waiting for the coming of their Messiah, the Christ. What many didn't know was the way in which their Messiah would come. They were under the iron rule of the Roman Empire, the Caesars, and they knew that God had told them in Scripture and through prophecy that their Messiah would come. And if you haven't had a chance to look at Pastor Greg's short film, Red, The Color of Christmas, it's really a great narrative of this. You should check this out. But the Jewish people were waiting for God to fulfill his promise to send their Messiah. Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 8 says, Prophetically, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and his kingdom to order it and establish it with justice and judgment from that time forward, even forever. It was time for Jesus to come. The time was just right. And the time will be just right again when Jesus comes again. Because the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians that Christ will come again. God's timing is perfect. You know, it's perfect in our lives too. Some of you may be praying for God to move in your life. Maybe you have a need. You need a job. 
you need a certain class at school or a car. Maybe you need some cash or you're sick or, uh, you know, you're looking for a, uh, a mate, you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or someone to, to do life with, you know, a husband or a wife. But God's timing is perfect. Maybe some of you need some kind of rescue in your life. You have troubles. God's timing is perfect. No, God didn't cause your troubles. Yeah, maybe you did. Maybe someone else did. But God knows when to move and move in. Many times God allows things so we will make a move closer to him. I'm reminded of a story of an old man and an old woman riding in an riding down an old dirt road in an old pickup truck. And there's dust coming out the back. And the old man is sitting in the truck with his elbow out the window. And he's got one hand on the steering wheel. And she's sitting on her side with her elbow out the window. And she says, honey, remember when you used to put your arm out when you put on the brake? And he says, yes, I remember. And she says, remember when you used to put your arm around me and drive with with one hand? He says, yes, I remember. And she says, remember when you used to lean over and, and sing in my ear and watch the road with one eye? He said, yeah, I remember. She said, how come you don't do that anymore? And he said, well, you moved away. Well, sometimes we move away from God when things are going smooth. And God allows things in our lives to move us back to him. You know, there are seasons in life of great ease and great fun. And there are other seasons of tremendous trial and conflict. And sometimes it seems like we have a little bit of both. You know, the scripture says in James, which we're studying, says, Count it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let that endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God allows trials to do work in our life, but God has his hand on the time clock too. And God's timing is perfect. You know, for most trials, there's a beginning and an end. Some trials last forever, but God is with us through them. You know, the second thing it says here is that God sent his son. God's love is generous. Christmas is about giving. You know, the commercials and the malls and the notifications that we get on our phone tell us this because the more we give to others, the more we will spend with them. You know, they love us giving because we're giving them our money. But We do love to give, but God's love is generous in that he gave the most precious thing he could possibly give, his only son. You know, giving is fun. When I was young, I loved to receive gifts, but now I love to give gifts. You know, the Bible does say it's more blessed to give than to receive. I don't like giving cheesy gifts like that impulse buy when you're standing at the 7-Eleven and you're like, okay, I got to get this. I'm going to buy a Bic lighter and an energy drink and a lottery ticket and a, some spicy jerky or something like that, which is lame. But, you know, what is the strangest gift you ever got? You know, one year I got a Rolex watch, but it actually wasn't a Rolex watch. You know, it was from China. And uh, I put it on and I noticed that the small, uh, the little small world clocks that are on the side on the face, I noticed that the hands were painted on and not even real. And as I was looking at the face of the clock, the, the whole hand of the clock fell off and was floating in the crystal. Uh, I did use it as an elephant gift later, but it was the lamest gift I ever got. But God doesn't give lame gifts. God gave us his son, his only begotten son. 
knowing that Jesus is going to the cross to die for our sins. God's love is generous. Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. You know, the third thing that it says in that verse, it says that Jesus was born of a woman, really a virgin, which just shows us that God's power is miraculous. Notice here that it says that Jesus came to us through a woman, just like every one of us were. But we're not God. God took on human flesh, like the song says, veiled in flesh, humanity. Jesus was 100% man, yet 100% God. He veiled his deity, but he didn't void it. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, The mystery of the humanity of Christ is that he sunk himself into our flesh is beyond all human understanding. Not only was Jesus born of a woman, but he was born of a virgin. A virgin. That's impossible. Again, it shows the power of God. For us men, yeah, it's impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is too hard for him. You know, it was even prophesied in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So that prophecy was fulfilled. And it must be believed. You know, Jesus is virgin born, was virgin born. You know, if Jesus wasn't virgin born, he wasn't God. You know, probably the greatest talk show host of all was Larry King, who died last year at 88. And he was asked if he could interview one person. He said, Jesus. And I would ask him if he was indeed virgin born, because the answer to that question would define history. Man, what a great question. Look, if Jesus wasn't virgin born, like the Bible says, if he was born of Joseph, he would have inherited his father's sin nature. Because the Bible says through Adam, sin has been imputed or passed on to all men. His death on the cross wouldn't have been substitutionary. He would have been dying for his own sin because of his own sin nature. He couldn't have been the only begotten of the father. He would have been begotten of Joseph. It would mean that the Bible was wrong because the Bible says he's the son of God. The virgin birth is essential to our faith. You know, if we believe in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, it shouldn't be too much of a problem to believe in the virgin birth. But that's what the Bible teaches us. Jesus is the only begotten son of the father. He had the nature of his father, perfect, sinless. He's deity. The fourth thing that Galatians says that he was born under the law. Jesus became a man, but he didn't have a free pass because he was God. He didn't stroll around turning rocks into honey-baked hams. He didn't control the weather so that it was always blue skies and 72 degrees. He went through everything we go through and even more. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He had emotions. He wept. He suffered. The Bible says foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You know, Jesus never asked us to do or go through anything that he hasn't done himself. He subjected himself to the same law we have all failed to live up to. You know, we've all broken the law, you know, whether it be stealing, lying, coveting, using the Lord's name in vain. We've all sinned and fallen short. We've all missed the mark. You may be good, but you're not good enough. Yet Jesus lived the perfect, sinless life. He said that I did not come to abolish the law, but to complete it. Jesus was perfect. He was born under the law. The fifth thing that 
Galatians 4 says, is he came to redeem those who were under the law. God's plan of redemption is flawless. If there was any other way for you and me to have our sins forgiven, to go to heaven, God would have taken it. But God, being holy, couldn't wink at our sin or say, hey, I'll just let you slide. Yet God, being loving, didn't want anybody to face the judgment for their own sin. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. You know, we're all familiar with the word redeem or redemption. We take something in and exchange it for something. He exchanged or bought our freedom. He purchased us with his very life on the cross, and the currency was his own blood. Jesus delivered us from the bondage of sin and death. And everyone needs redemption. Jesus conquered death by rising on the third day to redeem us. The sixth thing that Galatians 4 says is that they might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. God's desire for us is much more than being a servant or being a friend. God's desire for us is to adopt us and to make us sons and daughters. Romans 8, 17 says, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That means we possess all things together with Christ. You know, Jesus humbled himself and became the son of man so that we could become sons of God. And maybe you're listening to this podcast and you've never really put your faith in the Jesus who stepped out of heaven to become a baby to go to a cross and die for your sins. I'm going to say a prayer right now, and if you want to put your faith in Christ right now, you want to believe, then you too can become a son of God. Let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Jesus, thank you for stepping out of heaven, out of eternity, to planet earth and, and to Bethlehem and to be born that baby in a manger, Lord, and then growing up and living the perfect life and dying on a cross for my sin. Lord, I believe that now. And I thank you for the resurrection. And I ask, Lord, that you would give me life. Give me eternal life. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer, you too have become a child of God. You've been born into God's family. And uh, you can celebrate Christmas in a new way in a way recognizing that the reason for Christmas is the gift that God has given us. And, you know, maybe you're a, a Christian already, but you're just going through some difficult times this Christmas. Remember that Christ is the hope of Christmas. Christ is the hope of life. And that uh, if you'll keep Jesus right in the center and remembering his promises, remembering his gift of love to you, you'll have a Merry Christmas. God bless you.